All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Emerson Lazia hanging out today, holding it down in the DraftKings studios in Boston. We're brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order using promo code GOJO15. Got a great show for you. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating and check us out live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10, 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, all that good stuff as we get going here. i got a fun one guest-wise for you today. Harrison Phillips, Minnesota Vikings defensive tackle and their Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. Going to show up with us. We're hopefully talking to Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic from the Amazon Prime TNF set there. Uh, we're going to have to get his updated holiday power rankings since we found out last time he was around here. He's a big Halloween guy. We are nearing Christmas, so want to see if Fitz keeps that same energy with the holiday season. But, uh, Dad, right now, the energy and the vibes around the holidays, not so great if you're watching NBA basketball. <laughs> we came <laughs> off of this wonderful time of year where we had the NBA's in-season tournament is such a rousing success, and now we turn the page. We get through our first Tuesday night without the in-season tournament and we walk into Wednesday morning with the prime story being ejections courtesy of Draymond Green and Nikola Jokic and dad boy it's a tale of two cities with how each of these guys found their way off the court yeah yeah it is and ejections have been uh at kind of at, at a at a high rate uh this year in the NBA for a lot of different reasons you know mostly it's it's the physical reasons and altercations and usually it's end up getting two technicals uh, and you're going to be out. That's kind of the normal way to do it. Not a lot of times you see the one tech toss, which happened to uh, which happened to um, uh, Jokic, uh, Jokic, or yeah, Jokic had that one, or the the one or the flagrant two. 
you know, that goes, it's the automatic cost. Normally, if you got your second technical and you're gone. But we had them on different, different terms. One was very physical. The other was a word uh, or words that we'll get into about a referee. But Draymond Green now has uh, second place all to himself behind, well, I think he's had it, behind Rasheed Wallace of all-time ejections with 20, Rasheed at 29. Uh, so, hey, Draymond's got time, you know, nine more. We'll see how much career he has left to see if he can catch him. But listen, I mean, they, they were playing uh, the, the Suns, and, and he hit uh, Nurkic, Yusef Nurkic, across the face. You know what I mean? He says Nurkic was, was on his hip, pulling his hip, and he just oh. swung around and he caught him right I mean, the side of the face. He went full on power hip. slap yeah. on his ass, yeah. like hit him in yeah. the face. He came around with torque that's normally reserved for the stuff that Dana White's been trying to make happen. And on the back end of it, tried to act like he was just selling the foul. That was his yeah. excuse was, right. I right. sell fouls using my hands. I turned around and do that. He said after the game, if he was truly uh, you know, uh. trying to do that on purpose, he wouldn't apologize apologize for it but in this case he did and I'd imagine that elicited a pretty large groan from Steve Kerr and the rest of the Warriors who were like dude we kind of needed you yeah. in a game that we lost yeah. by three at a time where Wiggins and Clay are playing like really not well and that somehow Draymond Green ends up off the court for them yet again so you can imagine dad this is kind of the boy who cried wolf with him where no one's really well, buying that this is just a sell given the reputation he's got around the league what when you get the eye roll from your own team which I, I would imagine when they heard what he said that's what you got because you're right they know him I mean what was the expectation when you swung around you know head and neck high I mean you know who's guarding you you know you know the size of these people you know where you swung and you know where your swing's probably going to end up so yeah you, you the term you use perfectly it's, it's the boy who cried wolf you know and and I'm we know he gets fr – listen, he's the type of guy you try to agitate, right? I mean, I talked about the guy I played with in Ron yep. Heller, who was one of the great agitators on the field. He would agitate you and then put his hands to the side and get somebody to get 15 yards. You know, you heard uh, Kyle Shanahan talking about, you know, tongue-in-cheek, goofing around. I'll get you a Christmas present if you, if you get under DK Metcalf's spin uh, or skin. You know, so there are guys like that that you know you can agitate to have them lead to something, and Draymond's one of them. You can agitate the hell out of him, and it could lead to him being out of the game. Yeah, and so for Draymond, it's sort of a different category in the uh, in this because of the way he's gone about it. But in general, there's been a belief this season, especially among star players, that there's been refs with a little bit more of an itchy trigger finger than they need to have. Yeah. And the Nikola Jokic yeah. one was kind of what set sirens off for everybody last night. It was very very near the beginning of a game in Chicago for the Bulls. And the full scope of this makes the moment even more hilarious because you've got Nikola Jokic coming to Chicago that apparently has a very robust Serbian population, so much so that they had scheduled Serbian Heritage Night for when Nikola Jokic was coming to play Chicago in the Bulls, so fans there locally would have a chance to come and see one of the best players in the NBA who also happens to be, heritage-wise, someone very representative of the area around there. And you can even hear Adam Amin, our wonderful friend who does a great job as the play-by-play -play announcer for the Bulls home games, home broadcast there, even he was confused as to the nature of how quick this ejection happened and this was Nikola Jokic after the game addressing what went on I'm just happy that we didn't play in Serbia this game it's gonna be really fun to see how it be ended you know so it was interesting you know it is what it is some guys can say whatever 
I think sometimes what I said is not even a technical, so it is what it is. Wow. Wow. I, yeah. was, was that a, like, I got goon statement there? Yeah, is that his brothers. What everyone picked up from that? Imagine if his brothers were in the stands last night. I, I don't know. Were they? Like, that's not happening. He's not getting ejected. I assume that they're yeah. always kind of around and waiting for something like this, and that might be Jeez. why a ref would simultaneously eject him early, but also why I would live in fear of doing it if I were one of the yep. officials, Dad. So, so yeah, that that's one of those where his brothers are just standing there looking at him and waiting to see if he's going to, if Nicolo's going to look at him and give him the little head nod, like, go ahead, you know, do your thing. I mean, that was, that was a wild statement. So this one, this one certainly is different. So he gets tossed in Chicago. Uh, basically what happened, and, and many people on the, side, on the right of the court side there heard him say it. He said, uh, after a shot, he said, running back down, call the foul, MFR. He called the, the, the ref an oh. MFR. Now, if you say, come on, uh, you know, that was an MF and foul. Come on, you got to call it. No issue. You cannot call a ref that. I mean, and every player knows it. Now, I heard him say, and he has said, say, he has said after that I have called refs or call refs have been called that before and not called a technical. When that happens and people hear it and everybody knows that what was said because that's what was going to get out, that ref is the one that's going to get in trouble. All right? There are certain there, – and I'm just telling you there are certain automatics. And one of them is calling the ref something like that. If you use oh. those colorful words as adjectives but don't call the ref that, they're not, going to, they're not going to toss you. But if you direct it at the ref, something like that – I, for the most part, I mean, they are going to immediately toss you. Can you see how, if you're a fan, though, that's maddening? Yes. That idea yes. of oh, rampant yes. sensitivity governing yes. the difference between a superstar that I have come to see. And this is kind of where it gets into the overall conversation, Dad, of what responsibility do officials have in these moments overall to be more lenient with this given what the league's directive is this year going into the season between the in-season tournament between the minimum number of games that have been required to reach all nba teams and all the different postseason awards the idea and the directive from the league is we need more of our players playing more often especially the star players who have in recent years been sitting out these primetime tv games and all these other big money makers for them and so now that we're actually getting things working toward that end if you've got officials who are mad because they got called a name on the court yeah. and now they're throwing a guy off if i'm a fan i would be beside myself as someone who watches basketball it's a ridiculous notion and especially as someone who comes from another sport day could you imagine in football a guy just being able to get tossed for saying a bad word to an official how many guys now i'm not saying it happens all the time and i'm not saying you should be allowed to go out here and just berate officials i get that in some right. instances you've got to protect them from being targets and i'm sure there are ways to do that but i do think of in a sport like football a referee even having the power because of an interaction with a player to toss him out of a game it so, doesn't happen and because so yeah yeah so here's the difference you're right in football you could say that you could you know a d lineman could say that to a official about holding call the call the foul call the holding mfr you know and you're <laughs> gonna get flagged you're going to get flagged if you sure. do that, but you're not going to get tossed. So, uh, listen, right. I don't agree with it. I'm on, I'm on your side here. I'm just huh. telling you in certain sports there are the, the absolute line. 
And in the NFL, if you say you and call him something, flag comes out. And in the NBA, it seems that if you say that there, it now. To go right to a technical, I would like to dig a little further into the 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 rule there of yeah. to go right to a tossing him and not saying that's a tech and basically you know you got one more you know if I'm going to use my two techs and one of them you know call the ref you know the name so be it but so that surprised me some but I, I do know that they will especially if other people hear it you know he would have got in trouble if he didn't do something, but I'm with you. I don't understand if it's okay. You want to in, in relation in the NFL throw a flag. You want to call a technical on him for doing it. I get it. So be it. But man, a one tech toss seems without question like too much. Mike, this is clearly the new way to circumvent the load management. Like the NBA just can't fool me anymore. And star player ejections should easily come with a reimbursement, a ticket reimbursement from the NBA, 100%. You can't do this. It, it, it's it's one of those things it'd be impossible to legislate just because you have a Draymond Green situation where what if the star actually warrants an ejection and then how much are you building intent into this model? But it, it is something that I do think if it persists like this, there would need to be a conversation. We see all the time the leagues come out before the season and they've got points of emphasis, they call them with officiating, where they decide yeah. these are the fouls or these are the penalties that we want to call more often to try and deter behavior going into the year. I think we need the league-wide memo sent out to officials like, hey, we got to be a little less sensitive. The things that we've had on the books before, the understandings that we've had about certain interactions with players, it's probably time to change that up because nights like last night become ridiculous and what? they become the headline at a time of year where you had been building a lot of positive momentum and don't need a lot of that anymore yeah the thing to me completely is he he definitely by their rule and i think by anybody's because you can call each other players you know that but you can't do it to an official that should have been a technical and i have no problem with that at all even Jokic said I'm, I, my language crossed the line he said, but, but he and his coach, Michael Malone, were both surprised at, at the immediate ejection. The crew chief, Mark Lindsley, said via the pool reporter after the game that he was ejected after one technical foul because he directed profane language at the official uh, that our standards and that by our standards warranted an ejection. Now, that's where I disagree. That should warrant a technical. And I'm cool with a technical when you direct it right at the official. I, I, I get that. But an immediate ejection is is way, 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 way too so much. Is it I like, completely agree. Is it like locking eyes with him and saying it then? No, or it's just can, calling can you, him can, that name. I, I, I'm telling you, Emerson, you just can't direct any kind of MF in name, anything like that, and call the ref that. You can call their call, their call that, you know, but you can't direct it at the ref no one uh, there are people in my men's league who aren't ejected for doing that and listen i know it's apples to oranges here but they have <laughs> they have they have a lot in common yeah. apples and oranges oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> no no it's definitely an apt comparison and one that we should run with around here yeah. the officials in emerson's men's pickup league the weekend warrior official there yeah. gets berated by emerson and the boys tuesday if he night take it nba referees you're soft yeah, there you and go you should be able to take it too <laughs> Uh, Emerson, 
why don't we uh why don't we take this as a great off-ramp to one of the other bigger pieces of news from yesterday actually on the field in the nfl in a year marred by quarterback injury once again reared its ugly head as we got some bad news about justin herbert for the chargers yeah that's right there'll be like none of this here justin herbert looking at officials on the field because he won't be on the field the rest of the year uh, he's going to miss the rest of the season. Got surgery to repair the fractured finger that he suffered in Sunday's loss to the Broncos here, guys. This is going to have some big playoff implications as well. As you look at the remainder of their schedule, you have teams fighting for playoff positioning, teams fighting just to crack the postseason, like the Bills, the Broncos, the Chiefs there. But either way, guess whose team it is now? A guy by the name of Easton Stick, and it sounds like he's ready to go, baby. Look, I understand North Dakota State is, is not the National Football League, but I'm used to winning. You know, that's, that's I only know one way. Um, and, you know, this is a production business, and I understand that. And so I'm uh, just going to go out there and, and try to play my best. Hey, man, North Dakota State is yeah. in the FCS semifinal again. That's a powerhouse at that level, dudes. It is, although their head coach is leaving to go coach linebackers at yeah. USC, so all yeah. might not be well inside the castle right now if that's the case. But, uh, it, Dad, it, it, Emerson's exactly right in the effect that this is going to have for others, right? Three of the teams that are up on the remaining schedule outside of the Raiders all actually have real playoff chances, and so that's certainly going to affect their ability to go and get important wins. But I, I also think this comes at an important juncture for the Chargers and their decision-making going forward since we've talked about Brandon Staley, the future of this staff around there for a while and the thought of how this decision was going to be involved in that decision this is objectively the right decision sitting down justin herbert who's already dealt with a fractured finger on his non-throwing hand this year rib injuries early in the season and a guy you invested recently about 250 260 million dollars in you got to sit him down for the long term but now if you're brandon staley who already felt the seat burning up around you and is staring down the prospect of a team without its best punch you can't feel too good about the idea of keeping your job at this point. No, and, and, and I think that writing, unfortunately for him, has already been on the wall. I mean, the thought now, it doesn't have his starting quarterback. Could that be, you know, an excuse to, to keep him or say, hey, he didn't have my guy, you know, in the last few games of the season. But I, I, I think, you know, using the dumb cliches, the die is already cast. I think that was going to happen because, again, his side of the ball, the defense has been struggling. He's a defensive guy. As we've always said, we don't like calling for anybody's job, and we never would do it. But I do think we are past the point of, hey, he doesn't have a starting quarterback. Do we give him a break? I don't think that is going to happen. Um, and, and I do think if, if, in fact, it does happen, it's going to be one of the more desirable jobs out there because of Justin Herbert, who's thrown for over 17,000 yards, you know, and 100, what, 14 touchdowns and just 42 interceptions. So, and, and think about what the matchup was going to be Thursday with the Raiders and the Chargers. It would have been Herbert and Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler against the beginning of the season. We were thinking Jimmy Garoppolo and mm-hmm. Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, you know, this matchup. And now, you know, it's Aiden O'Connell and Easton Stick. That's that's what we have. And, and these guys get their opportunity. I love what Easton Stick said. He played one game with the Chargers in, in 2020, was one for one, and just played the game, obviously, when Herbert got hurt, was, uh, what, 13 to 24 or something like that. So, I mean, he's he's out there to prove himself. And we've seen guys who we've never heard of, but we knew I've heard of this guy, but IEC Tommy DeVito. 
Well, nobody expected that, so let's see. You know, let's see what Easton Stick can do. But he's, but we know he's not Justin Herbert. Yeah, well, and we know that like there's a different, usually a different bracket that we're dealing with here. Like Easton Stick, guys like Tommy DeVito, they're vying to hopefully be guys that can be backups for a long time, continue right. to show that they're a valuable part of the team. Very rarely do we get the Brock Purdy from last year, and I think this year when we've been inundated with backup quarterbacks, the Minnesota Vikings making their change and announcing yesterday that they were going to be going with a different one, a different starter at quarterback, is a reminder that more often than not, you see backups comfortable for a few games and then over a right. longer period right. of time and a larger sample size, you see why they've been backups in this league. You root for them, but it changes the outlook for the program. It's so interesting to consider for the Chargers and for Brandon Staley, Dad, how much different this year might have been perceived if they hadn't blown that playoff win to the yeah. uh, to the Jags. Mm -hmm. You're up multiple touchdowns in that game. You have this epic collapse, and the taste that leaves in your mouth as an organization yep. for a team that finished second in the AFC West last year, that was in the playoffs last year and looked like they were on their way to a playoff win, how much further that would have gone walking yeah. into this season that once again like the Chargers has been marred by injuries there are bigger problems organizationally than just Brandon Staley but unfortunately the coach is usually the one that's right. got to answer especially when you just sign the quarterback yeah it, it, it falls on he even though you lost Mike Williams for the season even though Austin Eckler missed a few games and then Herbert breaks a finger on the left hand and now he's out for the season Every year you get uh, some mass units with some big-time players, and, and they've had them. But like I said, I, I think it's going to be too far gone for that organization. Coaching hot seat for the Chargers, maybe even warmer in New England. A report yesterday on the future of Bill Belichick already decided. We'll get to that next on Gojo Gold. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. All right, so there are not one, but two teams already eliminated from the playoff picture around the NFL. One of them being the Patriots. And guess what? Bill Belichick's time with the Pats apparently coming to an end regardless how the rest of the season plays out. So according to my dude, NBC Sports Boston's Tom Curran, listen to this. The Pats have already decided 
to move on from the longtime coach at the end of the year. That decision, too, wasn't just made. Apparently, it was made after the Patriots had the embarrassing loss to the Colts in Germany. That was back on November 12th, guys. Here's what Curran had to say on NBC Sports Boston earlier this week. When they came out of Germany, conversations I had that week made it very clear that a decision was made and they were going to play out the string, and at the end of the year, there would be a parting of the ways for a variety of reasons. I think, and I wasn't told this specifically, but the main one being, you don't fire Bill Belichick during the season. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, uh, Gojo, I, I think his fate is sealed. I, I trust what Tom Curran reports here. He's, he's well-connected. I'm just thinking now, Belichick, if this is the case, is going to do everything in his power to win these last, like, three or four games and absolutely wreck their draft position here. Kind of pulling, like, a little bit of, like, a, what a Lovey, what Lovey Smith did, I think, with the Texans last year. Yeah, it, it, it is very interesting because I had actually joked, I think, on this show after the Patriots win this last week, the funniest thing in the world to happen now would be for the Patriots to win out the rest of the yeah. season. And it would be some impressive wins on their schedule if they did that and then somehow retain the job going into next year with a record that does deprive you of what's nearing a top draft choice right now. So, uh, Dad, I'm not surprised by the idea that this decision would have already been made right now. You you go back to college football season and think about Texas A&M, right? I called the Texas A&M win over Mississippi State where they're on their third string quarterback. They win by multiple touchdowns. And then the next day, Jimbo Fisher gets fired and everyone's like, what the hell's going on? When in actuality, that decision had been made a while before. And in that case, I'm sure there was part of it where they were afraid of that outcome of what if he yeah. wins a couple of important ones at the end of the season? They had LSU coming up on the schedule and how that tends to look. And so I, I don't discount that the fate is already sealed here, Dad. But the timing of this coming at this juncture, knowing that there's season left for Bill Belichick is curious. Uh, yeah, but let, let's can we pump the brakes there? Uh, Emerson, you know, he, they will be just like Belichick to try and really win these games and, and mess up their draft spot. Don't you think he'd have been trying to win the games during the season? I, and oh, the, by the way, oh, by the way, they play the Chiefs, yeah. the Broncos, the Bills, and the Jets. He Dude. can try all he wants. This team stinks. Yeah. They're not going to win maybe one of these games. So to think he'd try and win now to mess up their draft pick because he's leaving – Emerson, come on. Come on, he's going to be in there fired up. He may rip his shirt off in like oh, halftime speeches, pregame speeches. The, come on, you know this. You've been in NFL locker rooms. You're better yes, than this. Yes, they're going like, to get – I have. I've, I've been in NFL sad. locker rooms, and I know when teams are bad, I've been on, on some. And I don't care who's walking through that door to try and motivate me. It's not going to help them. Bill Belichick's going to walk in and put on the Navy helmet again like he's on the college game day set. <laughs> and try and fire up the boys with that one yeah. and get them ready to rock. All right, I'm telling you right now, they they will be competitive against the Chiefs this Sunday, and they will also beat the Jets at home, final game of the regular season. They There's a good chance, and I'm just telling you this right now, this is my humble opinion, my professional humble yeah. opinion, they're going to yeah. win two of their, out of their last four games.
Okay, I'd say I, one I like top. how you tried to softball that in there and say they'll be competitive against the yeah. Chiefs. The well, loose what spectrum that, that requires against a Chiefs team that's what? offensively struggling right now and then went out on the limb that they'll Dude. beat the Jets. It's Zappy wow. Hour in Bold New England, Proclamations.com. It's Zappy Hour in New, New England. Grow up, both of you. Figure it out. Let me, let me, let me tell you, let me Zappy ask you this. Mike, Mike, higher, I know where Emerson will go on this, higher percentage they win two games or lose all four? Ooh. Oh, they lose all four. No. Oh, absolutely. Mm. The higher percentage. They may eke out one game in this, but that's the highest percentage, I think, is losing them all. I mean, if you look uh, at it, at the, this point. the final four opponents, they're all frauds. Chiefs, frauds. Oh, Broncos, frauds. Bills, wow. frauds. Yes, and the, and the three frauds. and ten Patriots I, are for real. No, no, I'm just saying, when yeah. you had, they're, they're frauds as well. They're just bad. But a bad team playing a fraud team, okay. anything can happen. Okay. All right. So, so with, yeah, with, this, gotcha. with this bad team in particular, Dad, <laughs> it, it becomes the question now for them. Because if we're to believe this report, and I think we do, that the yeah, Patriots yeah. more than likely going to be not only in the market for a new head coach next year, but a GM for the first time in a long yeah. time since Bill Belichick has occupied both roles in that franchise now. And there's a lot of people that think Gerard Mayo, their linebackers coach, uh, who's mm -hmm. been on the defensive staff there, who was a player there, has always been the obvious choice for the next successor internally. I saw Dan Graziano yeah. reporting that the thought process was originally as a plan, keep Bill Belichick on for a couple more years, let him get over the top of that Don Shula number that you've talked about on this show I, I think yeah. in an honest moment Bill Belichick would admit means something to him is a goal now at yes. this point in his career but doesn't seem like one that he's going to accomplish in New England and uh, dad I, I do wonder if this is something that because when anytime a report like this comes out I always think who benefits from this information being out there I think this is clearly the Patriots organization wanting to say hey nobody get it twisted Patriots fans who might be feeling a little angsty about this we're going to make a change because we feel right. like we've seen enough at this juncture to say yep. the direction the franchise is heading in especially on the player acquisition side but you could even say on the development side in the last two years isn't the place we need it to be and a change is necessary and this drives that home and I think Mayo would be a phenomenal choice. I, I would hope they would give it to him, which will make it interesting because we keep talking about the Patriot way, and it wasn't the Patriot way. It was the Bill Belichick way. So now what will be – because those assistant coaches that went on to be head coaches and tried it the Belichick way failed. It'll be interesting if it is Mayo, and I hope it is, of what direction that goes because – He's not just coaching under Bill. He played under Bill. So he lived his life right. under the Belichick way. But he's a different person. He's a younger person. I'm sure a different personality. So it will be interesting if, and again, hope it is, he takes over the direction it goes. And for Bill Belichick, understand people, Don Shula leads with 347 total wins, regular season, postseason. And Bill is at 322. He's 15 behind. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I don't think there's any doubt he wants to break yes. that record. Without question. So that then the next question is going to be is what team would he like to go to? And would any team, would any team out there who right now we have Carolina, we have Vegas, and we know there'll be more uh, that are going to need a head coach. A, will any team say, I'll give my right arm to get Bill Belichick here? Or will other organizations kind of move on from that and go with, you know, the younger coordinators?
Yeah, I think he's three uh, losses shy, by the way, of, of tying uh, the mark for most losses in uh, for a head coach in NFL history, too. So that may be a record he also wants. Yep. Winning is <laughs> winning is losing. Cost business at that point, Dad. I would say that, in your t- in 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 terms of jobs that would take him, I mean, the Carolina Panthers. I feel like they would take anybody who looked their way at this point because I can imagine yeah. it's going to be hard, even with all the David Tepper silver in the world, to get somebody over to what appears to be a raging tire fire right now with the way that he's been churning through coaches. And Belichick, Belichick might be the one guy that he can't fire after a season or two there. But I, I to answer your question. I think there would be a team to step up and take him. I think it would oh, come with too. the caveat that he would not yeah. be allowed to buy the groceries anymore. I don't think he's right. GMing anyone yeah. and getting final decision making, say, like he did in New England for so long. Yeah, and when you again, you're 15 wins short. I don't think Carolina is the place you're going to go. No. You know, as a team that's still trying no. to grow, you know, you you, you need wins. So. You know, we'll see when when the dust settles at the end of the season and we know all the jobs that are available, then we start breaking them down, you know, and say, okay, ownership, quarterback, salary cap, where are we with with a team that you a ready made team that you go to or still building a team? He needs to go somewhere where there is an established quarterback and the Patriots cannot afford to have him drafting one for them in April. Yeah, and I think that's ultimately what's going to decide this. And what ultimately undid this situation was Bill Belichick when it came to hitting on offensive weapons and then certainly being able to go out and develop that next quarterback. And so now we're probably facing an offseason where for the first time in a long time we are dealing with the prospects of change in New England. All right, let's look at this NFC playoff picture. Look at the Vikings, seven and six, just beat the Raiders three nothing, lowest scoring indoor game in NFL history. Josh Dobbs has been benched, so the Vikings are going to start Nick Mullins at quarterback against the Bengals this week. And Harrison Phillips, guess what? He's ready to rock no matter who is under center. And if you don't believe me, you should probably watch this interview with Gojo and Mr. G. All right, excited to talk to Harrison Phillips, Minnesota Vikings defensive tackle and Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. So Harrison, first and foremost, man, congratulations on that. Uh, I know you were also nominated during your time as a Buffalo Bill and I'm always interested for guys. You come into the league, you know, and you recognize you've got this big platform. But when did you decide that service like this was something that you really wanted to make a concerted effort toward as a pro? Uh, before I ever thought about being a professional football player, is the, the, the real answer from the first time that I was in a leadership role, being kind of a bigger kid growing up, captains of sports teams, I really enjoyed the opportunity to have kind of some attention on me that I could go raise awareness for a different group of people who maybe didn't have as much awareness around themselves. So all the way through middle school and high school, um, it was almost a motivation that, hey, there's a lot of reasons why I want to get to the next level to be a Division One football player. Uh, and when I became a Division One football player, there's a lot of motivations to become uh, an NFL football player. And some of those motivations were to have a large platform to turn the eyes to other people less fortunate. And, um, you know, when I got to the NFL, it just kind of started cooking with fire. We've been able to grow my foundation into three cities and work with over 1300 individuals with developmental differences and special needs across the country. What, what brought you, it's Harrison's Playmakers, what, what brought you to that, to, with that foundation to specifically look into that? You know, I, th- I thought that there was a lot of ways that Special Olympics and Best Buddies and Unified Sports were doing a really cool thing. But I just reflected back at uh, some of the greatest people in my life are individuals with differences. And the more time I spent around some of my playmakers, the 
more great qualities that, that I start to possess. You talk about a group of people who look at life with a glass half full, a group of people who are all about friendship, about never giving up. You know, some of my playmakers will shoot a basketball 500 times in a row and miss every single time, but believe that they're going to make the 501st shot. And so just a lot of amazing characteristics that I thought were infectious. And one area I thought that was lacked with this population was there's still the negative perception to pity this group of people and that, to think that they can't do things and that they're not capable of a lot of things. And that's not the case. So we try to show their independence by going to a lot of the cool, awesome events and participating in every activity we have but also them themselves giving back, uh, handing out turkeys to veterans at my Thanksgiving event and bringing in thousands of dollars of donations at my, my holiday shopping sprees and my, my sports camps. So um, just trying to show a great reflection to the world that these guys are very independent. They can take care of themselves and they can be um, helpful to our society. Uh, it's incredible work. Again, Harrison's Playmakers is the foundation. Congratulations on, on that nomination. Incredibly well-deserved and, and obviously glad that people are going to continue to hear more and more about what you're helping out there and doing. You mentioned some of that perseverance. You guys as a team this year in Minnesota have certainly had to weather a lot of adversity, especially at the quarterback position the other side. Nick Mullins announces your guy's starter going into this weekend. I'm curious for a defensive player, total other side of the ball, but recognizing how important the quarterback position is to your team, how you approach that mentally when all of this change is going on at that position in particular. Yeah, you know, was kind of fortunate that a lot of my career, you know, having Josh Allen steer the ship for us in Buffalo and then coming here, um, knowing that we had Kirk, it, it was kind of an afterthought. It's like we got to button up our best because we know offense is going to do exactly what they're going to do. And I really don't feel like there's that big of a drop off in the guys we have. You know, Kevin obviously is done, doing the best he can. We, we don't really get involved. You know, the split It's kind of like offense do their thing. Defense does their thing a lot in the building. Um but as someone who played the position and, and made it to the National Football League and had the success that Coach O'Connell's had, whoever he says is our best quarterback, I, I'm all in on that. Like that's, I got all the trust in the world and what's what system and what scheme or however they're going to do it with whoever they are. Um, I see, you know, all three of our guys every day at practice and through training camp, and know that we have a ton of talent in that room. Back in '91, Randall Cunningham, when I was with the Eagles, I got hurt and we went through about four quarterbacks that year, and we got asked, "Who do you think this quarterback, that quarterback?" The best answer, Harrison, is whatever quarterback moves the ball down the field, that's the one we want on the field. And, and <laughs> yeah. end of story. That's it. You don't, yeah. you don't have to expound upon it. It's just an easy out. And and speaking of, of the defensive side, we're, we're kindred spirits there on the defensive side. We have other comparisons as well. But after a 3 nothing win, you knew everybody was going to just rip that game. But as a defensive player, I'm right there behind you on a 3 nothing win. What was your answer to everybody when they were trying to say, oh, my God, 3 nothing win, what an awful game? I believe I said that that's, that's football. That's real football. And uh, <laughs> I, I would have been – my eyes would have been glued to the television screen if I wasn't playing in that game. Uh, I think that that's super fun. I don't know how many punts there were, but shout out to our whole – you know, the punt team getting some uh, – performance-based pay getting their dollars up you know we're all in on that so no that's it's incredible i'm trying to think back i might i might have been a part of one in buffalo uh that year we were number one defense but um that's uh very rare and we're really happy with that and your defense is going to continue to have some big challenges and play a huge role in that and it's been a stark contrast this year right for brian brian flores coming over and manning the helm on defense and i heard you say it's not a typical four three one man one gap kind of defense how would you best describe what brian flores wants and is trying to get you guys to execute on the defensive side of the ball hmm <laughs> 
it changes what he wants. It changes a lot of times. It changes what he wants. I think his number one goal is he wants to handicap offensive play callers. I think that's the number one goal when he looks at who we're playing each week. What does this team do well, and what can we take off his menu? How can we make his call sheet shorter? And then he looks around at who we have and, and what abilities we have at different position groups, and how do we do that? And um, you know, wh- where can we make adjustments? Multiple play calls within a call. Um, moving certain players to advantageous matchups, players we know we can make a trip on a cutback, players we know can set edges, um, secondary guys who can have eyes in certain locations and play downhill when the ball is released. So um, th- my short answer is, is to limit, you know, the offensive play calls. And there's, we, we could talk for hours about, about ball. Cause you know, I love that. So well, let, good. Let, let's, let's talk about you as a D tackle. So going back to Stanford, and and I believe it was in 17, you led all FBS in down linemen and tackles with 103. You led, I believe, the tackles uh, last year. You're the leading defensive lineman tackler on your team this year. What what is it about your game? I mean, that D, and especially interior D linemen, when you're leading D lines and tackles. Yeah, um, you know, I think back to college, and uh, that was one of those situations where. I had a fantastic defensive line coach and that was really the only time in my career that I was truly handed the baton and they're like, Hey, you go play. Everyone else will kind of do their thing around you. And I've never been a selfish football player. So when a coach tells me your job's to be in the a gap, I go to the a gap and I'm in, because I got guys behind me that I'm, you know, just, just as happy for their success as mine. Um, You know, I thrive myself in being a, a, a really good run defender and I want to hang my hat on that. So um, when these guys are running the, the ball, I, w- I want to get there as, as best I can. In this defense, I think the, the thing that's helping me see some career highs here in my NFL career is uh, the intelligence side of the game. Because it's a new defense, teams don't really know how to attack us, but I, I can see in-game adjustments. I think Mac Brown once said, you know, the best players I've been around get better as the game goes on. And I bet if, I don't know if this is true or not, but I bet if you looked at my in-game stats, I might finish the first half with one or two tackles but I'll have about four or five in that second half it's incredible and you can see why you've had as much success as you've had regardless of what scheme you've been in with that kind of attitude and that kind of approach here so Harrison we could sit here and talk to you all day I am curious though and this is because it came up in the news lately you mentioned your time in Buffalo there been a lot of reporting about a certain speech that your old coach Sean McDermott <laughs> made in training camp back in 2019. I- I'm just curious for you, do you remember that moment? Do you remember what everyone's talking about here with the 9-11 speech and what your reaction was like at the time when all this went down? Yeah, you know, I, I prefer not to comment on that. I was really fortunate. I love my time in Buffalo, especially the city there, Western New York. My foundation's still growing so strong there. It's incredible. Um, The only thing I'll say is that I'm I'm a fan of Sean McDermott's character and the type of person that he is, uh, the way he was to to his family and to my family. I do believe he's a person that has high character and means well. And that's ultimately the measure of what anyone would want in a coach, a teammate, or anybody around them there. So I think very well said by you. Again, no surprise uh, the way you represented yourself and your community that that would be the case. So uh, Harrison, we appreciate all the time here today. Congrats again on the Walter Payton Man of the Year nomination. Best of luck the rest of the season. We're looking for other shutouts now coming down from the Minnesota Vikings here. The standard the standard now. Absolutely. No pressure, no diamonds, man. Reach for the stars. I'm with you. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it.
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Duh, Bears coming off a big win over the Lions, everyone. Chicago now 2-1 and one with Justin Fields since his return from injury, which begs the question of all question for the Bears. Will they hang on to Justin Fields or opt to search for a new franchise signal caller? Reports are that they will move on from Fields this offseason. Look to potentially draft a quarterback. Here's what he had to say on these reports last week. Um, life isn't fair. So, uh, you know, me personally, I'm just focused on what I can control and, you know, the rest is in God's hands. And, you know, I mean, really, you just put everything in God's hands, you know, it's going to turn out, you know, good for you. So, um, you know, wherever, if I'm here next year, if I'm not, um, you know, you know, football doesn't define who I am as a person. I don't really stress over stuff like that, over stuff that I can't control. I know that guys got me, and um, I'm going to be good. So um, I'm very blessed in the position I am. Yeah, so questions looming over Justin Fields' future. But those around the league, maybe some former players, since the tide might be turning, gentlemen. Former Bachelorette contestant and Jaguars legend Clay Harbor noting that in his last 17 games, he's been pretty damn good talking Justin Fields. So how do we feel about the Bears potentially moving on from this guy, Gojo? Oh, I think they're going to like kind of like the Bill Belichick decision. I think the Hayes already in the barn on a lot of that. But Justin Fields down the stretch of the season, dad, it's like we always hear during camp. You're not just playing for your team. You're playing for the other 31 right. teams at the same time in the tape you put out there. And Justin Fields right now is playing like a guy who's still putting on tape the kind of ability that's going to make somebody go and try and make him their future after this season. I think that much is probably safe to say because this last weekend, dad, the outcome was better for the Bears, but the process in a lot of places looked similar. Fields made some compelling plays from the pocket, but also a lot of his production is, hey, things break down in there. He takes off right. and is such a gifted athlete. He's able to get out there and run. But that in contrast to what we saw, say, with Lamar Jackson, who obviously is an MVP caliber player. It's a bit of an unfair comparison, but you watch the way he navigates when things go wrong. You watch the way that Justin Fields is still navigating when things go wrong, and you can see that development just has hasn't gotten to the place I think the Bears would have wanted by this time and as always with them it is the opportunity cost of because you've got the Panthers number one pick right
right now, you cannot pass up the chance to get Caleb Williams or Drake May, reset your clock, and begin again with a talented player who comes on a cheaper contract. Yeah, and I was one of those that said, bring him back this year. Don't trade that pick away and get somebody else and Same. see where he can go. And, and there are things about him you like. But to the point here, I agree. I think it's already been decided he's going to be gone. But we also wonder what's going to happen with that coach and GM. Who's, are they going to be around? And the, the growth of Justin Fields, and certainly a lot of it is on him. He is on the field, but I don't think he's been used very well at times either. I think it's just been a bad marriage. There hasn't been a lot of growth for Justin Fields, and I think Chicago, the organization, is basically saying, we're moving on. We have the ability, because of where we are and the picks that we have, to, to get the highest-rated person in the draft which is going to be Caleb Williams, and he'll go play for the Bears. So I do think they've moved on, but I, I with, without question, believe there will be a market, you know, that, that, that Justin Fields is going to be somewhere and have a chance to prove himself in another uniform. Yeah, I, I would say that's probably a safe bet at this point. And the, the Matt Eberflus conversation, and for Ryan Poles, their GM, the interesting conversation it does come to the development that you started to see with this team, right? As we've talked about, their investment along the offensive line seems to be paying off with that group playing better and better with some of their recent acquisitions and Darnell Wright from this last class, Tevin Jenkins right. finally healthy, playing well at the guard spot, defensively bringing Montez Sweat over at the trade deadline and the shot of life he seems to have injected in that group up front all would bode well if you're starting to grade for this group and what they could do with that next decision going forward because you're right can you get capital for justin fields going forward what do you do with that other first round pick since you're walking into the draft in as advantageous a position as possible it's sort of the inverse of what we talk about with how really crippling the carolina job is walking in because you don't have a pick going into next year you're locked into a quarterback that there might be mixed views on now and the rest of the roster's in such a poor place dad this bears job you start to look around and do the checkup from the neck up on them and feel a lot better than you did earlier in the season about what you're walking into next year with and so now the decision for everybody out there is at Hallis hall do we want these decision makers in charge of the resources that we believe now are in a better place than they've been here in some time yeah i mean it, it will be interesting what direction it goes but i'll say this mike and i, and I wonder you know we have, they have two high picks right to me it's quarterback and then either left tackle or wide receiver you're, you could get eight wide receivers going in the first round, and we know where the top is with Marvin Harrison and Malik Neighbor, uh, Na uh, Neighbors and Roma Dunze. I mean, we, there is some power at the wide receiver position, and I know they picked up D.J. Moore in the trade with Carolina, he's, and he's becoming a, a nice fixture there. But to get, And we have also seen these wide receivers come into the league and just star right away. So, to me, it's quarterback O-line or quarterback wide receiver. What do you think? So, I would say it's quarterback and wide receiver. I think you're right that continuing to stack weapons around there. Because, again, I think the O-line's getting to a better place there. You've got some depth in the running back room, albeit you know that's not a place that you're going to use high-end draft capital on. Matt Miller over at ESPN put out a mock draft the other day and had in this draft the Bears picking with the first overall pick, Caleb Williams out of USC, and then down at the number eight pick, 
had them picking wide receiver Malik Neighbors out of LSU. And I'd imagine if you ask most Bears fans right now, they would sign yes. up for that in a heartbeat. There's always the prospect of, hey, trading back for more resources. But I think your needs are so clear right now, especially as you're going to try and do, because, Dad, remember, the celebration that went on when Justin Fields got picked by the Chicago Bears. I remember seeing people, the Bears are finally going to have a quarterback. They're yep. finally mm -hmm. going after a young player, a heralded prospect. Justin Fields was thought of the way we're talking about these high-end right. quarterbacks in this draft coming out of Ohio State and how quickly that changed. And so now there's even more of a sense of urgency, especially if the current regime is retained, to say, we got to knock this out of the park. And so what are we going to yep. do? What we always talk about, draw a string from the quarterback to the other positions most close by. If you feel like you got offensive line settled, then compelling cast pass catcher is going to be the next thing you already signed Cole commit to the lucrative extension there at your tight end spot you got to go get receiver and you mentioned anyone in that trio up top and I would yep. include Keon Coleman out of Florida State as well yes. with the explosiveness he presents as an athlete any of those guys would be a slam dunk with this next pick hey let me ask you this Mike I know Jim Harbaugh is the name you always hear rumored in terms of current college coaches who the Bears could potentially be interested in what about a guy like Ryan Day who has a history with Justin Fields? You could go back years, Ryan Day's name in the rumor mill for a potential position with the Bears. Could that help fix Justin Fields? No, no, I don't. Listen, look at the, look at the resume of college coaches going to the NFL. It's horrific. True. You're going you're gonna to roll the dice on that with a six-year, however many tens of million dollar deal. You just, if, if, in fact, they do make a coaching change, it would be somewhat quick uh, in this day and age, which we know. And would you? T I would not take a chance on a college quarterback. And when I say that, I don't mean Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is coached in the NFL. Yeah. Jim Harbaugh is an NFL coach gotcha. for the well, 49ers. So I don't for what, include For what him it's worth, Ryan Day wasn't an NFL head coach, but he was a quarterback coach in the NFL yeah. multiple stops too. So he's got some background in the NFL, which has always been part of his appeal and part of the thought process huh. of would he ever make that jump. Huh. Yeah, I wouldn't do it though. I, I would not, no, no chance I would do that. I would be, if I'm, if I'm owning a team and you get kind of that one shot, I'm not going to college and grabbing my coach. All right, Bucko. Let's put it this way. I wouldn't do it with the idea of rehabilitating Justin Fields. It would be whoever right. we're going to next here. Because, again, that to me is a decision that I think has already been made based on what you've seen about the player. And, again, you said it, and it's absolutely true. This isn't all on Justin Fields. It's not like he's come right. in and failed the Bears. The Bears have met him halfway on that more than enough times through this process with all the changes that they've made during the early part of his career when you're trying to set that foundation for a young player. So uh, I do think that's ultimately a good decision. We could spend a whole day talking about this mock draft, by the way, that has four quarterbacks going in the yeah. top 10, including J.J. McCarthy out of Michigan going to the Las Vegas Raiders. Matt, buddy, we might oh. need to get you over on the show here and talk because I got questions and we need answers. Junior. What up, Doe? Hey, I just, you know, going back to that Chargers-Jags game in the playoffs, it wasn't an, an epic meltdown. It was an epic comeback, okay? That's how, that's how we like to oh, look God. at it here in my house, all right? I mean, that's how we got to frame it that way for the Chargers conversation, though. If this is a Jags conversation. I understand, Golark, but that's your first Chargers error. That is your first error wow. of the show. Wow. Someone sensitive.
Tasteful Snuggler. 